Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Good morning and a very warm welcome to the final hour of Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa from an African perspective coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. We are on DSTV's Audio Bouquet Channel 802 and on www.channelafrica.co.za. I'm Lulu Gabu in studio with Anne Musa and Tabiso Lohoku. In our top stories on Africa Rise and Shine at the Sawa, the Democratic U.S. presidential ticket wastes no time in slamming incumbent Donald Trump at their first joint appearance. And top Zimbabwean lawyer complains that her client and investigative journalist Hopewell Chinono is being ill-treated in prison. In economics news, new data shows that rent prices in Kenya have dropped in the second quarter of 2020. But first up, the news with Anne Musa. SABC News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective. Good morning, I'm Anne Moussa. Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas has denounced the historic agreement between Israel and the United Arab Emirates to normalize relations, calling it a betrayal of Jerusalem al-Aqsa and the Palestinian cause. Iran's special advisor on international affairs said the agreement would not secure peace in the region. The agreement, which has been described as a breakthrough for peace in the Middle East, has prompted Israel to suspend its controversial plans to annex parts of the occupied West Bank. South Africa's recorded 260 new COVID-19-related deaths since the last report, bringing the death toll to 11,270. Meanwhile, the number of infections has risen by 3,946 since the last report, bringing the cumulative number of cases to 572,865. This, while the number of recoveries stands at 437,000, translating to 76%. Zoleka. Kodashi reports. Of the 216 new COVID-19 related deaths, the Eastern Cape recorded the highest number of fatalities at 68, followed by the Free State with 62, KwaZulu-Natal with 39, Gauteng 30, the Western Cape 21, Mpumalanga 18, Limpopo 14, and the Northern Cape 8. Meanwhile, of the over 3,000 new coronavirus infections recorded in the country, the Free State has seen an increase of 471 and has reached the 30,000 mark. The province now records a total of 30,049 total coronavirus cases since the outbreak in the country in March. The Africa Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says seven African countries will start administering coronavirus antibody tests from next week as part of efforts to understand the extent of the outbreak on the continent. Liberia, Sierra Leone, Zambia, Zimbabwe, Cameroon, Nigeria and Morocco are the first set of countries that have committed to the trial. Africa has so far conducted 9.4 million coronavirus tests, a 10% increase over the last week. The World Health Organization says it will continue its search for a vaccine candidate to combat COVID-19. Russia announced earlier this week that it has approved a vaccine that has not been fully tested, but scientists are skeptical about its effectiveness. They said offering it to the public before the important final stage of testing could pose serious problems. WHO's Dr. Bruce Alwood. I think there was a specific question about whether or not we would see uh, uh, um, the WHO uh, uh, expanded use of that. We don't have sufficient information at this point to uh, make a judgment on that. And we're currently in conversation with Russia to uh, get additional information, understand the status of that product, the trials that have been undertaken, um, and then what the next steps might be. 
Plans to allow industrial logging in one of Central Africa's last intact forests have been halted in a move welcomed by environmental campaigners. Ibo Forest in the southwest Cameroon is home to 40 Benin communities and numerous endangered wildlife species, including western gorillas, chimpanzees, forest elephants, grey parrots and large frogs. Experts say forests also play a critical role in the absorption of CO2 from the atmosphere. On Tuesday, Cameroon's government formally announced it was cancelling a previous decree that would have allowed timber extraction across nearly half of the 150,000 hectare forests. And finally, in sports news, Serena Williams rallied to defeat her sister, Venus Williams, 3-6-6-3-6-4, in a second-round matchup of the Grand Slam Championships at the WTA Top Seed Open. Top-seeded Serena, a 23-time Grand Slam winner, says the victory will boost her confidence heading into the U.S. Open as she improved to 19-for-12 in the 22-year Rivalry with Venus. Ninth ranked Serena is one shy of matching Margaret Court's all time record of 24 Grand Slam titles, and she is preparing to chase a seventh career U.S. Open singles crown. Serena advanced to a quarter final today against fellow American Shelby Rogers, who ousted Canadian teen Leia Fernandez 6 2 7 5. Thursday's match marked the earliest Serena and Venus have met in a draw since their first tour-level meeting in the second round of the 1998 Australian Open. That's the news headlines at 7.30 Central African Time. SABC News. Independent and impartial. From an African perspective. Thank you, and it's 7.06 Central African time, and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. The Democratic U.S. presidential ticket of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris wasted no time in slamming incumbent Donald Trump at their first joint appearance on Thursday after Biden chose the California senator as his running mate a day earlier. They skewered the president and his vice president, Mike Pence, for their mishandling of the coronavirus pandemic that has infected more than 5 million Americans and killed almost 170,000. The Democratic pair cast themselves as the antithesis of their Republican adversaries and the best choice to guide a country out of multiple crises from a public health emergency, a struggling economy and the pressing concerns around police brutality and racial injustice. Show and Bryce Peace reports. A history-making combination with Harris, the first black and Asian-American woman on a major party ticket for the White House. Here's Joe Biden explaining his choice. We're at one of those inflection points. You've heard me say that before in our history. A life-changing election for this nation. And the choice The choice we make this November is going to decide the future of America for a very, very long time. And I had a great choice, great opportunities. I had a great choice, but I have no doubt that I picked the right person to join me as the next Vice President of the United States of America, and that's Senator Kamala Harris. Amidst the coronavirus pandemic, the rollout of his VP pick was absent the crowds and adoring supporters, as would normally be the case. But the historic nature of Harris's pick was not lost on this moment. All across the nation, little girls woke up, especially little black and brown girls, who so often feel overlooked and undervalued in their communities. But today, today, just maybe, they're seeing themselves for the first time in a new way as the stuff of president and vice presidents. Hearkening to her prosecutorial days, Harris argued that America was crying out for leadership. The people are who Joe and I will fight for every day in the White House. And let me tell you, as somebody who has presented my fair share of arguments in court, the case against Donald Trump and Mike Pence is open and shut. And you are the reason. I know we are going to bring our country closer to realizing its great promise.
But to do it, we'll need to work, organize, and vote like never before because we need more than a victory on November 3rd. We need a mandate that proves that the past few years do not represent who we are or who we aspire to be. President Trump continued to defend his administration's handling of the pandemic with a constant refrain that they've done a great job, while expressing surprise that Biden selected a former competitor as his running mate, someone who fiercely criticized him during the Democratic primaries. I was surprised that he picked her, very surprised because of the horrible way she talked about him and frankly because she dropped like a rock. And now all of a sudden she's uh, running to be vice president, saying how wonderful he is. Uh, I thought it was a very unusual pick because she said such bad things and you know better than anybody what, you know, you won't write it because, you know, you don't want to do that, but you know better than anybody. Uh, she said horrible things about him, horrible things. And she mocked him, openly mocked him. That's why I thought that was a very risky pick, because I'm sure that'll be played back, not necessarily by me, but others. It'll be played back. With the Democratic convention starting next week ahead of the Republicans a week later, expect the political rhetoric and attacks to continue sharpening ahead of Election Day on November 3rd. I'm Sherman Bryce-Pease in New York. Top Zimbabwean lawyer Beatrice Mtetwa has complained that her client and investigative journalist Hopewell Chinono is being ill-treated in prison. Chinono was arrested sometime in July together with politician Jacob Ngarivume for allegedly inciting public violence ahead of the 31st of July protests against corruption. According to his lawyer, Chinono is being persecuted for doing the right thing, which left the president embarrassed. Simon Muchema reports from Harare. Freedom is elusive for top investigative journalists Hopo Chingono and politician Jacob Ngarivume following reports the two are being abused in a Zimbabwean prison. While the discretion to treat an accused person well lies in the jurisdiction of the police officers and prison guards. There are limits to which one should be abused according to the constitution. According to lawyer Beatrice Mtetwa Chingono had his COVID-19 goggles taken away as authorities in prison feared they were secret cameras. He was later denied access to food from relatives while visits to the prison were reduced to one per week instead of every day. He ended up surviving on biscuits and water while his lawyers were also denied access. Each time Mutetwa wanted to see Chingono, prison officers would surround him in a bid to listen to the conversation. According to the constitution, this is abuse, although prison officers say they had been issued with strict instructions never to allow Chingono access to his lawyers in private. Chingono and Garivume were denied bail by the High Court last week, and chances of their release pending trial are very slim. While addressing the media outside the magistrate court on Wednesday, Mutetwa had this to say. When we sought to lead evidence of the conditions in prison, in particular relating to the COVID-19 regulations and the need to adhere to certain preventative measures, the state then applied that that evidence be heard in camera because it would otherwise uh, jeopardize the security of the prisons and the security of other inmates. We do not know what security of the prisons would be affected by giving evidence of uh, non-compliance with the COVID protocols in uh, prison. Uh, I think all of you here would have seen ZBC on Monday being at prison taking pictures at prison and speaking on COVID compliance. This is all we want to talk about. If you go to the Herald of yesterday and the day before, you'll also see that the state newspapers have actually been reporting on prison complying with COVID uh, 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 protocols. So we don't know what it is that suddenly has become state security about talking about the same thing but from an accused perspective, who has experienced life inside both the Riemann prison and the maximum security prison. Uh, it, it, the mind boggles, frankly. The political situation in Zimbabwe is said to be fluid, with journalists, including 
SABC correspondents in Zimbabwe coming under attack on social media following failure by the government to defend its position on live interviews. SABC was accused of taking sides when the television interviewed several personalities, most of whom condemned the alleged human rights abuses against journalists and perceived political activists. Lawyers have also come under attack, with at least five lawyers now facing different charges, having been arrested in the past few weeks. Muteta speaks of abuse while he's in Chikurubi Maximum Prison. The one Simon man, a missionary from South Africa, who once served at that prison, said it's worse than hell. Uh, the prison officers are not a problem really, but they are getting orders on how he should be treated. Uh, we've struggled to, to see him. There were attempts to limit the lawyer's visits to say one lawyer per week and thereafter maybe one lawyer a day. And we said there are various aspects to this case and he's entitled to as many lawyers as he, he, he can afford. And also he's uh, uh, really, even if there was one aspect to it, uh, if he wants three lawyers, uh, three brains are better than one. Uh, his relatives uh, were not being allowed to see him since he was moved to the maximum security prison. He has been in leg irons, as you saw in court today. We had to specifically ask the court to have the leg irons removed because it's an anathema to any justice system to have someone in chains being tried. I mean, what sort of justice would that be? Uh, yesterday, they did allow his sister to see him. Uh, he's being denied completely food from outside. They say he must get uh, uh, dry foods. So he's been living on biscuits and water. On Thursday, Beatrice Mtetwa's office in Arare were blocked by truckloads of police officers that were singing revolutionary songs without any explanation. In Arare, Zimbabwe, this is Simon Mchemwa. Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story. This may be a disease that is caused by a virus, but it is spread by human conduct and human behavior. We've now decided that the sale, the dispensing, and the distribution of alcohol will be suspended with immediate effect. There is now clear evidence that the resumption of alcohol sales has resulted in substantial pressure being put on hospitals, including trauma and ICU units due to motor vehicle accidents, violence, as well as related trauma that are alcohol-induced. Channel Africa. For your latest update on the novel coronavirus COVID-19 for Channel Africa in Addis Ababa in Ethiopia, I'm Coletta Wanjohi. Once contaminated, hands can transfer the virus to your eyes, nose, or mouth. From there, the virus can enter your body and make you sick. It's 7.18 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. Coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. The Rwandan government has accused the new government in neighboring Burundi of making the already sour diplomatic standoff more complicated. Rwanda's foreign affairs minister told reporters in Kigali that Rwanda was still surprised by the statement from the new Burundian president, General Everest Ndaishimie. Silvanus Karamero reports from Kigali. The frictions between the two neighboring countries started way back in 2015 after the eruption of the political conflict that emerged after the former Burundian president, late Pierre Nkurunziza, decided to run for the third term and an attempted coup which Burundi blamed on Rwanda then. Afterwards, an influx of Burundian refugees crossed over to Rwanda from where they have since sought residence till today. But in June this year, a few days after the swelling-in of the new president in Burundi, Everest Ndaishimie, Rwanda's president, Paul Kagame, and said this, Burundi. On a country like Burundi, with which we have had history that has been characterized by frequent frictions between us, which to some extent have blocked ties, we think what it is important at this point of time is to see how we can let this go and move forward. If that's what the new government in Burundi opts for, including the new president, then we are ready for it. But in a seeming furious mood to shoot back at his Rwandan counterpart, 
while in Kirundo town on the border with Rwanda last week the new Burundian president general Evariste Ndayishimiye said this we don't need to cooperate with the country with a high sense of hypocrisy, a country that always sets traps for us to harm us. Look, they have held captive Burundian refugees. We shall not bow down before them. We want peace. Rwanda's Foreign Affairs Minister, Dr. Vincent Biruta, told reporters in Kigali that it was very unfortunate for the head of state to utter such words with no facts because Rwanda did not invite the Burundian refugees in Rwanda and therefore there was no reason of holding them back. It is surprising that Rwanda can be accused of holding Burundian refugees hostage when, for the past few weeks, up to 136 Burundians currently in the country that arrived in different ways, some coming when the borders were still open, others coming here seeking medical services, have now asked to return home but have been refused to do so by the authorities in Burundi. Even officials from their own embassy here in Rwanda have been coordinating with our Ministry of Foreign Affairs and International Cooperation on ways to get them home. And we have done our part, but Burundi will not take them back. So on one hand, they do not want to take back people who came legally, some even with official permission to come here for medical treatment, and on the other hand, they accuse us of holding their citizens hostage. I believe we should see this for what it is, that it is their perception of Rwanda-Burundi relations, but concerning us holding refugees hostage, that is impossible. We do not tell them to come here, nor do we have anything to gain by keeping those refugees here. There have been frequent attacks on the western part of Rwanda, and these incidents have been blamed on Burundi, including the one in the last month. Foreign Affairs Minister says Burundi has also denied this. Burundi's government responded by saying that they cannot support people bent on destabilizing Rwanda's security, that the information is false, that such things are impossible. That was the answer they gave us. But as you know, this is not the first time such attacks have been carried out, launched from Burundi's territory. And as you pointed out, attackers captured during such operations have explained in court how they received support from Burundi's government in different ways. If Burundi wants good relations with Rwanda, then they must properly address these problems. And if they are bent on trying to destabilize Rwanda's security, then we will continue to foil such attempts and attacks and protect the security and sovereignty of the country. The concerned institutions are more than ready to do it. In the press conference in Kigali, Rwanda spoke about Rwanda-Uganda conflict, counter-allegations, with no seeming solution expected in recent months, despite the fact that the two countries' officials have been meeting. Silvanus Kalimera reporting for Channel Africa in Kigali. South Africa's ruling African National Congress will have to overcome the waning public trust if it is to seek a new mandate from voters. Recently, the governing party has been struggling to ward off allegations of corruption, unethical leadership and failure to provide basic services to township dwellers and the rural poor. This has prompted voter apathy among some of the party's traditional support base. Deba Mugobo spoke to some disgruntled ANC supporters and felt this report. The African National Congress is at the crossroads. It has to choose between protecting some of its leaders or ineffective employees and the general public. The once mighty governing party is facing an unprecedented ethical crisis and organizational disintegration. And central to it is rampant corruption and ineffective public representatives. As the country toys around with the idea of having local elections at least post-COVID-19, some staunch ANC supporters are undecided. This is not what I voted for. They are looting the state dry. I'd rather stay without voting. 
because I'm disappointed. I don't see myself carrying the flag that say up the ANC, not me. People are very much confused. They don't know whether they should vote for ANC. When they were taking over the regime, it was replacing criminals with another syndicate of criminals. Because what they are doing now is not what the ANC objectives and aims were. Voting is a fundamental right for everyone. But if it has been abused as it has been abused, I wouldn't even think of voting again. Because what it is shown as the better life for all is just for a particular gangster, not for everyone. And Professor Ivo Sarakinski from Vert School of Governance says the levels of corruption and failure to provide simple basic services to the people under the ANC have caused the governing party a lot. It would seem as if the public perception of the governing party, the ANC, is on a downwards curve and is falling rapidly. And what are the reasons for that? There are many, and it's obviously very complicated, but uh, perhaps issues like the failure to deliver basic services at a range of levels, ongoing cycles of uncertainty and leadership vacuums, and then the abuse of public resources in terms of malfeasance and corruption, where the poor suffer the most. These would likely be some of the variables. I'm sure that there are many more. The ANC Alliance partner Kosato is also fearful that if the governing party doesn't rid itself of unethical behavior, this could pit it against the voters. The Federation's president is Zingi Swalosi. The simmering frustration on the ground, including from our own members, and unnecessary own goals of the ANC, will make the task of facing the people and asking for another mandate a very difficult one. Unfortunately, the ANC remains the weakest link. It is currently just not doing enough. But the ANC Deputy Secretary General Jesse Duarte says they are working hard to rid the party of malfeasance. We do have to adhere to political morality. We must. And we must also make sure that no corruption is attached to any one of us, you know. And when it is, can we then, and we must apply the rules that we've accepted. Our rule is that if a person is um, charged criminally, they must step aside. Now, how will you be charged criminally? You'll be charged criminally if you do something illegally. And what seems to be happening is a chase for people to be charged criminally. And that is exactly because of the response of the public. She has also applauded the ANC in Gauteng for acting against any wrongdoing on the part of its members in the latest PPE and VPS scandals. I am Tebu Mokobo in Johannesburg. Workers at South African Airways have applied for voluntary retrenchment and mass. This comes as the troubled national airline has failed to pay employees' salaries for the past four months. Mogeni Mutwa reports. South African Airways has around 4,600 employees. Now, over 3,146 of them want to leave the company. That includes more than half of management, over 600 pilots, two-thirds of cabin crew, and almost the entire ground staff. Mashudu Rapeta is the president of the National Transport Movement, a splinter union from the South African Transport and Allied Workers Union, Satao. Most of workers there who have applied for the voluntary severance packages have not applied for the voluntary severance packages just because they wish to go. But they are seeing that they have to choose between the survival and also to wait for something that cannot um, uh, come up. So for them, it's about their families. It's about meeting their financial obligations. And the number is overwhelming. According to SAA's business rescue plan, 2,700 workers are earmarked for voluntary severance packages at a cost of 2 billion rand. That means not all the 3,146 applications will be approved. And still, government is yet to raise the money needed to fund the voluntary severance packages and the entire business rescue plan, which is set to cost around 10 billion rand. Rapeta says delay in finding the money is a cause for concern to the unions. We are very much worried because we were expecting that uh, the money would have been um, um, availed by now. But we are confident that um, Minister of um, Finance, Tito Mboweni, will be able to scratch somewhere and make sure that they make available that money. Because that money, it's, it's supposed to be there because the business rescue plan, it's adopted, it's approved and adopted. It's even binding on the shareholder and every um, creditor. So we know that as unions and as workers, 
We are part of creditors. There is money owed to employees. Those monies needed to be given to the employees. SAE management and the unions are scheduled to meet later this month to discuss the way forward. I am Bongeni Mucho in Johannesburg. It's 7.29 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. Our headlines up next with Anne Musa. SABC News. Independent and impartial. From an African perspective. Good morning, I'm Anne Musa. On the headlines, the International Crisis Group is warning of the increasing risk of armed conflict developing as a result of an election dispute between the Ethiopian government and the authorities in the northern region of Tigray. Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas has denounced the historic agreement between Israel and the United Arab Emirates to normalize relations, calling it a betrayal of Jerusalem, Al-Aqsa and the Palestinian cause. And the World Health Organization says it will continue its search for a vaccine candidate to combat COVID-19. Those are the stories making headlines. SABC News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective. Thank you, and it is 7.30 Central African time, and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. South Africa's National Council Against Smoking has welcomed the launch of the second Tobacco Industry Interference Index report for the Southern African nation. The report shows an improvement from a score of 72 in the 2018 year to a score of 58 in for the 2019 year. This indicates a decrease in tobacco industry interference and a simultaneous strengthening of efforts to ward off industry interference in South Africa. The index is a review of government's efforts to protect public health policies from tobacco industry influence. Project and Communications Manager at NCAS, Dr. Sharon Nyatanza, joins us on the line to tell us more about the index. Dr. Nyatanza, good morning and thank you for joining us on Africa Rise and Shine. Good morning to you. Now, please tell us more about the Global Tobacco Industry Interference Index and its significance. Mm. So, you know, the Global Tobacco Industry Interference Index um, it's produced by the Global Center for Governance in Tobacco Control. So it does conduct an interview, uh, sorry, an, uh, a review of government's efforts to protect public health policies from tobacco industry interference. So the review is done on not only on South Africa, but on many other countries as well. So we see, for example, um, in 2018, uh, South Africa was ranked number 72, uh, whilst another country like uh, Uganda was actually ranked number 29, showing a lower level of, of of tobacco in the, um, industry interference. So it's actually a way to, uh, to monitor um, the tobacco industry and also to keep giving recommendations for governments to actually improve uh, you know, you know, on that front. So we, we, we are very pleased um, you know, with the improvement that South Africa has made from 2018 to 2019. Now we're ranking number 58. But definitely more can still be done to actually, you know, improve in rankings, which also um, simultaneously also shows that we are doing more to actually improve, uh, you know, better tobacco control policies and also to reduce tobacco prevalence, uh, you know, at the end of it. Now, take us through the key findings. You just touched on one or two of the key findings of um, this annual index. Mm-hmm. So you know, uh, you know the reason, the main reason why uh, you know the rankings have improved is because of the the improvements that have been made and the changes that have been made uh, in South African uh, revenue services. So you know the establishment of the new illicit trade unit, uh, which is aimed at tackling illicit tobacco trade, um, dealing with tax evasion, and also improving capacity, has actually been one of the main reasons why there's been a lowered score, uh, you know, in the index. So that has been really the main, you know, positive aspect um, in, in the report. Uh, besides that, everything else is, is still the same. So they, they do have like seven indicators that they use to, you know, to, to, to do this review. And some of these indicators that, are, that the reporter finds, it is like transparency. There's still a problem with transparency. There's no, there are no protocols or procedures to record, for example, minutes 
between government officials, uh, government departments, and the tobacco industry itself. Um, we still have a problem of um, you know government still partnering with um, non-governmental organizations, which actually receive funding from from the industry itself. We still have problems like um, I know no um, no um, disclosure of, um, of of political funding. So you know private funding is still not disclosed. Uh, so we wouldn't know where the, the, the these political parties are getting funding from. So these are some of the problems that we're still uh, facing. And one uh, issue that is also you know highlighted in the report is the issue of the you know the the track and trace tender, which has been delayed due partly due to to tobacco industry interference. So these are part of some of the main findings that. Uh, you know, um, have been um, established in the report. Now, take us through some of the recommendations that the report makes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of the main, uh, you know, recommendations that that are made really is, you know, for for government to again pass the tobacco tobacco bill. Uh, it will not only improve tobacco control um, generally, but it also um, will uh, also ban all forms of contributions from the industry, including the charitable contributions that are still open. So it, that it will close up this loophole and definitely prevent more industry interference. Uh, ratif- it also recommends ratification of the protocol to eliminate illicit trade in tobacco products. So this protocol has already been signed, but has not yet been ratified. Um, other very important recommendations implementing the independent track and trade system. Because this will again address the illicit trade problem. Um, we've seen we've seen this uh, track and trade system has actually worked in Kenya where, where they've implemented it they've already seen a drop, you know, a, a significant drop in illicit trade. Um, the report also um, you know recommends developing policy and protocols to disclose uh, all interactions with the tobacco industry, because even this this report only uh, deals with information that is publicly available. So all these things that are happening behind the in closed doors um, would now be also open and would really have a transparent situation if uh, if we develop policies and protocols. It also recommends the implementing of the Political Party Funding Act, which also forces disclosure of private funding to also make it possible to track and stop you know industry uh, influence. Now, now, Doc, in terms of, uh, you know, the pandemic that uh, the the world is facing currently and looking at South Africa uh, with regards to um, the ban of uh, tobacco sales during the pandemic and and being, I think, uh, the only country that's doing it globally, you know, speak to us about the impact this will have on uh, the index probably for the following year. Um, you know, they talk of uh, be- smokers being at uh, higher levels of, 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 of or possibly getting sick um, or needing more assistance if they continue um, being able to get access to, to tobacco. Just speak to us about that. I know it's, it's sort of a, an offside thing, but, uh, you know, this is a crisis that we're facing in the country currently. Well, definitely, definitely. Um, so, you know, the country's, um, you know, response to the COVID-19 pandemic and uh, its ability to be independent in making its own decisions also probably would have to wait for that. But it, it can be foreseeable that, the, that that can actually, you know, affect the, the, the index ratings for, for 2020 because definitely we have seen pushbacks from the tobacco industry. Uh, we've seen the legal challenges. I'm sure all of us know uh, that they, they, they still, the, the FITA has issued like legal challenges. It has appealed the same legal challenge. At the same time, British America Tobacco also has, you know, its challenges also been had in Cape Town and we're still waiting for the reserve judgment to, to be made public. Um, but the, the, the government has, did not, was, has not been dissuaded from making its decision that, that it feels considering all the relevant factors that are in South Africa, that was the best decision that it felt it had to make. Uh, taking a precautionary approach to try and p- protect public health, to try and protect the health system. So definitely that can also be seen, it can be foreseen that this can actually improve the, the, you know, the, the index ratings for South Africa next year. Dr. Nyatanza, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you. That's Dr. Sharon Yatanza, a project and communications manager at South Africa's National Council Against Smoking, joining us on the line. WHO recommends 30 minutes of physical activity a day for adults and one hour a day for children. If your local or national guidelines allow it, go outside for a walk 
a run or a ride and keep a safe distance from others. If you can't leave the house, find an exercise video online, dance to music, do some yoga, or walk up and down the stairs. Avoid touching your eyes, nose and mouth to slow the spread of the coronavirus. For more information on the coronavirus, visit the World Health Organization site at www.who.int. Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story. There's nothing good about alcohol. Alcohol is destructive. Alcohol destroys families. Alcohol destroys life. Alcohol contributes to unprotected sex and spreading of diseases. Alcohol contributes to domestic violence, abuse of children and women. Channel Africa. I am an African. I owe my being to the hills and the valleys, the mountains and the glades, the rivers, the deserts, the trees, the flowers, the seas, and the ever-changing seasons that define the face of our native land. Masterclass Africa, where great minds connect. An explorative one-on-one talk show that seeks to tackle issues of leadership and consciousness on the African continent and around the world. Masterclass comes to you every Fridays, 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock Central African time. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. At 7.41 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine, coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. 14 million more drug users could be created on the continent as a result of a shift in the transit transit to consumer market for illicit drugs. This is according to a report by Enhancing Africa's Response to Transnational Organized Crime. The organization held a webinar under the theme, Why is Drug Use Trafficking Increasing in Africa? Yesterday, looking at ways that local government corruption, weak service delivery, among others, have contributed to this. Zoleka Kotashi reports. Inact says South Africa, with the biggest economy in the southern region, hosts some of the largest drug markets. Predictions suggest that the transnational illicit drug use and demand will surge by 150 percent by 2050. Senior analyst at the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organized Crime, Simone Hasem, says much of this can be attributed to poor governance. In the last few months, we've seen some really interesting stuff happening with local government responses to the COVID situation, which have thrown up really particular problems around homeless populations, which in South Africa, there's a very high rate of heroin use amongst those populations. And in Tuane, after an initially very poor response, where authorities tried to concentrate one to 2,000 homeless people in a very small space, space which would have been sort of a super spreader disaster civil society organizations stepped in and directed the response in a much more sort of effective direction which led to a much better response for the homeless population in general but also targeted responses that were meeting both the public health needs around covid and also substance abuse for um, uh, people with substance uh, particularly heroin um, abuse problems in Durban, it uh, led to the fast-tracking of a system that has been long in the making, driven very much by civil society. Haysom says the transnational drug dealing fuels violence. We single out a, a couple of cities where violence related to the drug economy has become a major problem. In South Africa, the sale of drugs and 
interacts in an incredibly lethal way with gang formation and the supply of illegal weapons. One of the most interesting things coming out of the research was how Tanzanian networks interact with this in the expansion of heroin markets in South Africa, because most of the retail drug trade is controlled by very violent local gangs who, in fact, don't allow foreign-based drug dealing networks to carry guns. As a result, those drug dealing networks use violence in a much more strategic way that has less consequences for the local population. And we talk about that both in Johannesburg and Cape Town. But then over time, these Tanzanian drug dealing networks become major suppliers of heroin into the Cape drug market. And heroin becomes another drug fueling a huge competition for control of drug dealing turf, which in turn fuels violence. 20% of all drug mules arrested in Hong Kong in 2018 and 2019 trafficked drugs through Oartambo International Airport, while in Mauritius, 100 men have been arrested since 2017 for smuggling drugs through the airport. Interpol's regional crime analyst for West Africa, Annabella Corridoni, says African airports have seen an increase in drug trafficking, with a higher volume of trade between South Africa and Europe. African airports have experienced an increase in domestic and international traffic in the last decades. Globally, 90% of goods transiting are done via shipping container, but less than 2% of these containers are being physically checked at destination. So this represents a huge opportunity for criminals to smuggling uh, drugs across uh, the continent. What we have seen is also that it is easier for herring traffickers to get containers from South Africa to Europe than from other African ports. And this could be because there is the perception that the fair living South Africa is seen at a lower risk of containing illicit goods because there is a higher volume of illicit trade between, between South Africa and Europe. So all this um, economic uh, development um, ha- come with um, um, a dark side too, uh, which is being exploited by the syndicate, criminal syndicates. Corridoni says corruption plays a major part in drug trafficking. Another enabler is corruption, which is a major facilitator on the trafficking chain in Africa. And this we have seen that links also private and public sector. We have some cases where, uh, for example, crew members were suspected of smuggling heroin on some flights from Africa to Europe, concealed in crew members checking luggage, for example, that tend to have less check at arrivals. Hayson has also raised concern over the consumption of crystal metaphetamine in South Africa. While the use of the drug was concentrated in the Western Cape, the demand is now growing in other cities. I'm Zole Gagwagashe in Johannesburg. South Africa's economic province of Gauteng says that it is ready to relax lockdown regulations, but this must be done gradually. That's according to a member of the Premier's Advisory Committee, Professor Bruce Milado. He had been speaking at the weekly briefing on the province's response to the coronavirus pandemic. This comes amid reports that President Cyril Ramaphosa has been advised to open up the economy and relax lockdown regulations from Level 3 to Level 2. Wisani Makubele reports. Over 194,000 people have tested positive for COVID-19 in Gauteng. More than 152,000 of them have recovered. However, over 2,700 have died. In the past week, the province recorded a 78% recovery rate, while the number of daily infections has also decreased. Member of the Premier's Advisory Committee, Professor Bruce Milado, says the province has been able to handle the surge in infections under the current lockdown level and can afford the relaxation of lockdown regulations, provided that is done gradually. Given the success of controlling the first surge and the hotspots, uh, we are now in a position to relax lockdown. Now, clearly there are different scenarios. The relaxation of lockdown is a complex matter. And from the mathematical standpoint, and also based on uh, experience from other countries, it is very clear that whatever happens, whatever relaxation takes place, or whatever, whatever configuration of that relaxation takes place, they be performed gradually and in a phased way. 
Premier David Makura declined to comment on calls for the lifting of the bans on the sale of alcohol and cigarettes. He, however, expressed concern over the state of the economy and how it's impacting on people's livelihoods. Makura spoke of the need to strike a good balance between saving lives and saving the economy. He says Gauteng will support a risk-adjusted approach and urges residents to continue with measures to protect themselves from the virus. Whatever decisions are taken by the National Command Council, here in Gauteng we must say we are still a highly vulnerable province, high densities of people. A lot of people live side by side together. The transport mode brings lots of people together. The vulnerability and risk, risk profile of our province is very high. Even when the numbers are slower, we must be more cautious because we don't, we don't want the second wave that's more brutal. Speaking about people who are more vulnerable to contracting COVID-19, researcher at the Gauteng City Region Observatory, Gillian Murray, says the impact of the pandemic will be felt differently among various communities. She says poor communities and those living in crowded areas remain more vulnerable. We've looked at where communities have shared sanitation and where people don't have access to electronic communication among, amongst a range of other factors. So here the map does show you that suburban, richer northern suburbs have a far lower risk and it's much easier for them to be able to maintain social distance. And some of the real challenges that we noted at the beginning would be particularly for communities in informal settlements, um, on the peripheral areas, as well as quite notably people who live in high dense settlements within our CBDs as well. On his fight against corruption, the Premier says all COVID-19-related tenders or contracts are now being investigated by the Special Investigating Unit. It's 7.50 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. Our economics update up next with Tabi Soluhoko. Good morning, you're listening to Channel Africa. South Africa's power utility, ESCOM, will resume stage 2 load shedding from 8 a.m. this morning to 10 p.m. tonight, Central African time. On Thursday, the power utility implemented stage 2 rotational load shedding due to an increase in generation unit breakdowns overnight. The power utility says it has restored four units to the power grid, but this is not sufficient to meet demand. Technicians are working to restore the remainder of generation units back into service. Eskom says that the power grid remains constrained and power outages could continue through the weekend. The Mineral Council of South Africa, through its member mines, is to provide oxygen and oxygen-related products worth around 269 million U.S. dollars to assist the Eastern Cape Province in its fight against COVID-19. Two particular districts, Chris Honey and Oartambo, have been earmarked for the support with further support for other areas with specific needs. The head of health of the Minerals Council, Dr. Tutula Balfour. The tanks can be there sometimes. It's about the consumables or the, the tubing, the rebreather masks and, and other accessories, you know, that make it possible to get that oxygen to the person's nose or mouth. And that's where we are concentrating. You know, we are ensuring that we get as many as we can afford things like oxygen regulators, oxygen um, uh, rebreather masks, nasal trolls, even oxygen concentrators, which are a machine that actually does not need oxygen. It generates oxygen from the air. New data shows that rent prices in Kenya have dropped in the second quarter of 2020. The data released by Has Consult reveals that rent prices dropped by 0.2% in the period under review owing to the coronavirus pandemic that has affected most parts of the general economy. According to Has Consult, 47% of the tenants surveyed asked their landlords for rent discounts of between 25 and 30%, reflecting how many are not spared by the pandemic wrath.
The Australian Bureau of Statistics says the number of unemployed Australians topped 1 million for the first time ever during the month of July amid the COVID-19 pandemic despite almost 115,000 jobs being created during the same period. Between June and July, the national unemployment rate rose from 7.4% to 7.5%, an increase of 15,700 people reaching its highest level percentage-wise since 1998 as businesses struggled with the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. Some economists suggest that the real rate of unemployment was closer to 10% as the official figures did not include the number of people who were not working but relying on government wage subsidy programs such as JobKeeper, the US dollar is trading at 382.10 Nigerian Nara, 11.51 Botswana Pula, 107.30 Kenyan Shilling, and 18.38 Zambian Kwacha. In BRICS currencies, one US dollar trades at 5 rule 40 Russia, 73 rubles 29 in India, 74 rupees 63 in China, a dollar is changing hands at 6 yuan 94, and in South Africa, it will cost you 17 rand 42. The US dollar is also trading at 76 pence to the British pound and 84 cents to euro. Gold $1,947, platinum at $956 per ounce. The price of Brent crude oil is at $45.29 a barrel. Africa rise and shine. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka na Unai. That wraps up Africa Rise and Shine for today and for the week. From myself, Lulu Gabu, our producer, Luanda Maume, technical producer, Mario Edwards, and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at info at channelafrica.co.za or WhatsApp on plus 277-33-00327. I'm taking us to the top of the hour for the news. On DSTV's audio bouquet, Channel 802, is uh, a track titled Melanin by Salty Soul. What you gonna do? Run, go meet a dad. We don't wanna do. What this is Salty Soul. But the ranking work best, yeah. Watch this. Love confession. What She's that? a heartbreaker. She bend over back breaker. Steaming up what a vapor. I wanna take her. She's a heartbreaker. She burned off a backbreaker Steaming up what a baby I wanna date So tell me why you do me so So tell me why you do me so Girl, me never gonna let you go Girl, me never gonna let you go So tell me why you do me so Cash. Call you me honey, but you threw me from trash And you think say me gon' leave you like that No way Why you do me like that, yeah Girl, I'm waiting on you Even if they're waiting on you But me never send them go In my life, I've never seen Melanin so dark You're a queen of the dance floor Night for your life, when I rub it in, baby Would you put me in your diary? In my life I never seen melanin so that you're a queen of the dance floor. Nice socialite when I rub his in, baby. Won't you put me in your diary? She's a heartbreaker. She bend up a backbreaker. Steaming up like a vapor. I don't wanna take.
saw you in a magazine Or maybe on TV Like in the up close when you're queen You're a queen And if you know me well You know I don't kiss and tell But I want you to myself, baby In my life, yo, me never seen Melanie so that you're the queen of the dance floor Nights as your life on the legacy, baby Won't you put me in your diary? In my life, yo, me never seen Melanie so that you're the queen of the dance floor Nights as your life on the legacy, baby Won't you put me in your diary? SABC News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective. In the headlines, International Crisis Group warns increasing risk of armed conflict developing as a result of an election dispute in Ethiopia's Tigray region. Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas denounced the historic agreement between Israel and the United Arab Emirates. And environmental campaigners welcome Cameroon's halting of logging plans. 